Where are you going? Which way will you go? That eminent philosopher Yogi Berra (laughs) said famously, you've got to be careful if you don't know where you're going because you might not get there. This uh, season, we're going to go through this study called The Way, Walking in the Footsteps of Jesus. And you've already heard that there are ways for you to do that in small group. And here in worship, uh, Pastor Lisa and I will be leading that. And music and everything will all be going around this way, the way of Jesus. As I was growing up, uh, I learned a lot from cartoons. Uh, Not everything I learned was from cartoons. Smile, okay, just a little bit. But uh, there's a famous cartoon uh, incident, and hopefully you will relive this with me. You remember this one here? Oh, him. He just passed here. <gasps> well, uh, uh, which way did he go, George? Where I, can- I love that. I love that. <laughs> which way did he go, George? Which way did he go? Just love that. Which way will you go? That's, that's the question that comes to Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, as the tempter meets him there in the wilderness Will Jesus go the way of the tempter, or will he go the way of God? And that question comes to us. Which way will we go, the way of the tempter, or the way of God? Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days. This is where we get the 40 days of Lent, right? It doesn't include the Sundays, but we go this kind of journey with Jesus for 40 days in the wilderness I never noticed it before, and I've read this passage a lot of times, that Jesus was tempted over these 40 days. I always thought about it was just at the end of the 40 days, but can you imagine that? It was a continuous barrage of temptation over 40 days. I read a great quote this past week. It said, opportunity may knock once, but temptation leans on the doorbell, just keeps coming back to you saying, come on, and that enticement, that wanting to lead us astray. How do we know these stories? I mean, it was Jesus alone with the tempter in the wilderness. I, I suspect that Jesus told his disciples so that we could know the story today, that Jesus used this as an instructional time for every Christian's life, every follower of Jesus, to know how he overcame temptation I'm sorry, let's see. So these temptations, I'm sorry, I have to, I'm looking at notes down here. So I, I love it that Jesus was tempted too, that this is a comfort to me to know that we're not the only ones that are tempted, that this is a universal human experience, that uh, it's, it's okay to be tempted, right? We're all going to face temptation from some time to another. It's how we handle that, which way we go that determines who we are. But you shouldn't be ashamed or embarrassed that you are tempted. It's going to come to each one of us. I think Jesus told these stories to give us that kind of embrace, to relieve us from that anxiety when we are tempted, to know we have someone who's been tempted as we are. I love how the passage says that Jesus fasted these 40 days And at the end of that time, he was famished. Do you think that's a little bit of an understatement here? Yeah. 
He, he was really hungry. I have three questions for us as we embrace this passage this day to find out uh, which way we're going to go. The, the first question is this. When are you most vulnerable? Jesus fasted 40 days. When are you most vulnerable? I, I was reading some literature from 12-step groups, those that try to help folks that are in various addictions, and they use the acronym HALT. HALT. H, hungry. A, angry. L, lonely. T, tired. Do you, does that resonate with any of you here about when we're most vulnerable? I was uh, visiting with my reflection group preparing for this message, and some of them were saying when they felt most vulnerable was when they were sleep deprived. <laughs> we got two rosebuds here on the altar table of young parents. I mean, if you remember those days when you could barely find your way around, when you just uh, were so tired. Um, some others said any kind of deprivation, whether it's food or relationship or, or anything, when you felt that cut off, that you were vulnerable. Some in my reflection group said, when things are going well, that's when they felt most vulnerable. Jesus has just been baptized. What did the scriptures say? He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And when does the tempter come? At that moment when he is riding high. There's a United Methodist pastor. I heard him talk when he was an old man, but he was remembering a story from his youth. He was giving a talk called Obst Obstacles to Grace, a time when he was coming under temptation. And the story went like this, that he wasn't baptized as an infant or even as a little child. He chose and his family chose to let him make that own decision when he went through confirmation class. So he was about age 12 when he finally made that decision to be baptized when he was getting confirmed. And on that day, it was a glorious day. His, his parents had got him a, gotten him a new suit of clothes and uh, all the other members were there and he came and had the water on him and they laid hands on him and he was so full of the Holy Spirit in the presence of God. And, and he came home and his parents and uh, other relatives and friends had gathered there. They were going to have a big feast for him out on the grounds and uh, he went up to his room to change clothes and he came back down and there was his dog. And for the first and only time in his life, he kicked his dog. He goes, where did that come from? You know, here I am. I've just been washed clean for my sin. I've just been baptized and confirmed in the church and I kick my dog. And that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> Sometimes when we're riding high, when things are going well for us, that's when we may be most vulnerable I ask you this first question. Um, when are you most vulnerable to temptation? Could, can you own it right now in your heart? Can you confess it in this space? And here's the deepest thing. I'm wondering if you can whisper it. It's not so loud that your neighbor could hear, but that God could hear. If we all did it at the same time, your neighbor would never know what you whispered. Okay. Could, could we try that? If I do one, two, three, could you whisper that? Where, when do you feel most vulnerable? Ready? One, 
two, three. And I try to do this. The second question is, where do you feel most vulnerable? If the tempter had three shots at you, <laughs> what would those three attempts be? Do, do you think Jesus may have had more than three attempts on his uh, vulnerability? Yeah, I mean, over 40 days, I suspect there's, there's more than three. But I suspect Jesus told these three because they were instructive to us. He shared these stories with his disciples and then for us so that we would have some clues about the nature of temptation in the wilderness. Where do you feel most vulnerable? Um, some of you have read the Bible and, and you know that Matthew tells his story and he tells it a little bit differently than Luke does. Luke changes the order of the temptations. In Matthew, it's, yeah, change the stone into bread and then it's the temple, jump off, be a show off, and then it's showing all the kingdoms of the world from the mountaintop and fall down and worship me. But Luke, he changes the order and he puts the temple last as if that's maybe most important in Luke's understanding of what's going on here. As I read this passage this past week, it came to me that Luke may have been facing a situation in the church where the church was the greatest source of temptation. Can I get an amen? <laughs> where, where we're most vulnerable may be in the place where we practice our faith. I know it is for me. So I'm going to confess before you and before this congregation this day that where the tempter comes to me is in my overfunctioning. <laughs> Am I trying to do too much? And I know none of you do that around here. Everybody here has real clear, clear boundaries and can say no and doesn't try to save everybody and change stones into bread just to meet every need, right? Uh, it's over-functioning. I'll tell a story on me here. 9-11, 9-11, that morning, one of my significant church members had died he had been the superintendent of schools for 25 years, now retired, but still very prominent in the community and in our church. Got a call very early in the morning, was over at his house visiting with the family and embracing them and praying with them and driving back to church, heard the news over the radio, the awful news of planes flying into buildings and people dying and smoke and fire and everything. And, and so this is all just overwhelming. And and oh, by the way, I was supposed to lead a district event for the Corpus Christi district that afternoon, evening. And they said, do you want to cancel it? No, I'm not going to let any terrorists determine my schedule. We're going to go ahead with that event. I pushed on and we're going to get through this. Oh, by the way, our church was building a new building and we were about to move into it. We were going to say goodbye to our old structure and have this worship service and walk the one mile to our new structure and move in there and bless that space. And I was getting through it. I was going just fine. And then the Corpus Christi district had a district professionals meeting at Grace United Methodist Church. And I went to the bathroom and I was watching my hands and I was going out the door and this woman comes in the door and she says, you realize this is the women's bathroom, don't you? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> you know, when you try to do it all yourself, um, you can really mess up sometimes. Where, where are you most vulnerable? 
For me, it's in the practice of my faith because I try to cut myself off from the very source of my faith. You know, I go through all the motions. I, is it that way sometimes that we will use our practice of faith, even the worship service, to distance ourselves from God and from the living Christ? Uh, Pastor Lisa found a, a guard card that she had in her files from some time ago, and, and the card had it this way. If we could see that card here. It went like this. Are we clicking? Are we clicking, man? Are we clicking? Thanks. Please help me. There you go. The card, this is family. They're all smiling. They're coming out of worship, and they say, thank God. Thank goodness that's over with. Right. And the inside of the card says, now we can get back to sinning. You know how we can let worship not make any difference at all in our lives, how we can just keep God at a distance? Um, where we may be most vulnerable may be in the actual practice of our faith. We can use faith as a buffer, as an insulator to what God really wants us to do. I'm asking you to answer the question now in your heart. Where are you most vulnerable? Can you own it? Can you confess it? Can you whisper it? In this worship space this day, on the count of three, are you ready? One, two, three. And then the third question is, how do you resist temptation? What way do you take to overcome temptation? In this passage, did you notice what Jesus did every time? The tempter came to him. How did he answer? With a quotation from Scripture. Jesus was quoting from Deuteronomy, the fifth book of our Old Testament. Deuteronomy, this is from chapter 6 through 8, these verses were quoted. Moses was about to lead the people after they'd been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. He was about to take them across the river Jordan, into the promised land. He wouldn't get to go, but he was going to show them the way. This is right across the river from where Jesus was being tempted. And Jesus answers every time with a quotation from Scripture. Here's a way to meet the tempter, is to be immersed in Scripture, to have yourself be so filled with that that it can pour out of you in those times of need when the tempter comes to you, I don't do a whole lot of things right, but this is one thing I've been learning to do is to immerse myself in Scripture. And every day I try to get up early in the morning. And right now I've been going through the Psalms and to fill myself with Scripture so that I can breathe that all day long and to, to get through the day. I need to confess before you right now that these last couple of weeks have been hard on me. <laughs> And a lot of it has to do because I have loved someone named Jay Elder who, who died, and we had his memorial service here yesterday. It was just about two weeks ago. It was a Monday. Next tomorrow would be two weeks that Jay died. And on that Monday, I was in Scripture. I was in the Psalms. And don't quote me. It's around Psalm 81. It's around verse 4. I don't know. It's somewhere in there. But the verse for that day that came to me was, was so powerful. As I read Scripture, it said, 
the burden that has been placed upon your shoulder, I will lift off. And I go, yes, yes, <laughs> thank you. I'm not carrying this all by myself. Thank you for lifting that burden off of me. And that was exactly the word I needed to hear because I will tend to overfunction and try to carry it all by myself. I need to praise you at this moment, congregation, Westlake United Methodist Church. You did great yesterday. Not just yesterday, all during this time as we've dealt with Jay's dying process, but yesterday at the memorial service, I, I don't know, 30, 50 of you, how many, and you were doing childcare, and you were helping people park, and you were ushering and greeting, and, and you were helping with the meal, and it, it, it was wonderful. And this is the second way I say we cope. We don't do it alone. We do it as community of faith. It's not just enough, I think, to quote scripture. We need to quote scripture with one another. We, we can't do this alone, but with one another, we can overcome the tempter. There are some classic ways we uh, answer the tempter. It is by being in worship. It's by fasting and prayer. Hear me, fasting is always connected to prayer. Fasting means you go without something and you get hungry for it, but it calls you to a deeper hunger with Christ. It calls you to get your priorities straight, that you're not just going after what fills an immediate need. It doesn't have to be just food. There's all kinds of things we can fast from. You need to know one that I'm fasting from this season. I'm fasting from overfunctioning. If you haven't gotten it already, I didn't work Thursday. Can I get an amen? Can I, I mean, I, really? I, I, you know, I had plenty of stuff to do. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I live in a world of infinite need. But on Thursday, I took off. I rested and I read and I walked and I played with Kathy. And I'm so glad I did. It reminded me that it's not by my effort alone that I get through this. I mean, Jesus, what, full of the Holy Spirit, I needed to be infilled again and just step away and remember that. How will you resist the tempter? What ways will you do that? I'm asking you to own it right now. Make this your Lenten spiritual discipline. I'm asking you to name it. On the count of three, could you do that whisper with me one more time so that God can hear that? Are you ready? One, two, three. Here's the good news. Jesus has shown us the way to overcome temptation. Amen.